You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Christopher Balzano. Balzano. Oh, so close. Balzano, yeah. Damn it. I knew there's that apostrophe on the O or there wasn't one. I don't know. I am basically took math five times, so just give me a break. That's okay. I won't judge you as an English teacher. All right. Well, that's good. Okay. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself, Chris, and what do you do professionally if you want? Well, like I said, I am an English teacher by profession, but I'm also a writer and researcher. Um, I've been looking into the paranormal since 1994. Um, I've got seven books under my, uh, under my belt. Um, my early days, I was primarily a researcher into what's known as the Bridgewater Triangle in Massachusetts and Rhode Island. Um, I was one of the first people to actually publish on that, other than you know the infamous Lauren Coleman. Um, in addition to that, now uh, I live down here in Florida. Unfortunately, <laughs> I run a podcast called Tripping on Legends. Um, so I've, after years, after decades, I should say, of of being an investigator, I put the investigative side of myself uh, off, and now we do legend tripping. So rather than looking for evidence, we try to focus more on the experience, but then also the stories and legends that kind of develop around these potentially paranormal places so tripping on legends is basically like a paranormal focus of a show that talks about all the hidden like maybe mysteries or murders that seem to have like a ghostly experience attached to it exactly and sometimes you know it's it's the ghost that comes first and then sometimes uh it can be traced back to something that actually happened sometimes it's just a community getting freaked out and falling back on traditional folklore to explain it. And sometimes it's just a whole bunch of people believe a story at once. So what do it's, you uh, it's kind of a little hodgepodge. Well, what do you consider paranormal? Do cryptids technically count as paranormal? Um, in my world, they do. Uh, what, we're doing, what we're doing now of Tripping on Legends, usually we fall upon cryptids, especially like the skunk ape down here, as part of context for what might be going on in an area. Um, we have a few lake monsters as well that that I've kind of looked into based on the fact that they are connected to a legend or connected to a town and kind of give you like a picture of what the town is like. Um, and of course, you know, one of my primary focuses for the last 15 years has been the puck wedgie. The what? The puck wedgie? I've never heard of that one. Oh, oh my word. Okay, where are you out of, brother? I'm in uh, Ocean City, Maryland. I think the only cryptid I know that's nearby me is like if you look at Virginia, you look at like uh, the Mothman or you look at the Pope Licking Monster. Those are like the only two I've really ever heard of besides like the Jersey Devil or Bigfoot and you know, all those right, mystical right. ones. So uh, the puck wedge, just to give people a little bit of context first, we go into it a lot more. Usually as soon as people, uh, as soon as the puck wedge comes out, that's what people want to focus on. It's a, a small three foot tall um, kind of gremlin, uh, uh, orc type thing, you know, goblin is probably the best explanation for it. That is heavy uh, in Native American folklore in New England, in the Northeast, into Canada. Um, and, and then actually I've discovered into the South and into um, uh, the Midwest as well. And it's this kind of uh, trickster spirit that is in almost every Native American 
uh, a myth or mythology, like dating back hundreds and hundreds of years, um, which all kind of follow the same basic premise. It's these little things that would mess with the tribe uh, until one day, uh, for reasons unknown other than like they just like got their shit together, started to be really malicious. And they would kidnap uh, people from the tribe. They would set fires. They would steal babies. Um, and I started reporting on this back in probably 2002. There was almost no mention of it in on the internet at all. And yet <laughs> I had people who were calling me, uh, people who were emailing me in the Bridgewater Triangle who were experiencing this thing. They wanted to know what it was. They wanted to know for a name for it. And I, I, I dug pretty deep and found out this little creature. And in the last 10 years, especially, it's really exploded. So puck wedgies are everywhere now on websites and people have kind of morphed them into whatever they need. They've been on, you know, all the different paranormal TV shows and, and to the point that actually um, uh, J.K. Rowling uh, uses them in Harry Potter folklore now. So one of the primary characters uh, in the history of the uh, American version of Hogwarts and the American, the witches that came over here were these puck wedgies and they're actually one of the houses of Livermore or Livemore, however she says it. Some she, bitch she doesn't pay me anything for using my research. So what do you do? Look, when we talk about crypto uh, zoology, we talk about cryptids. We could talk about paranormal. We could talk about all these. What really plays into a factor is it all stems from ancient folklore, man. For out throughout many different religions, many different histories, we've talked about an afterlife. Is there an afterlife? What is the afterlife? What is all these types of things? And then we look at the monsters behind it. My initial inspiration for cryptids is obviously most like everyone else is the very popular ones, such as like um, Nessie, uh, Bigfoot, the Yeti. The Bigfoot is probably the one that I feel like is the most believable um, just because on the basis of there was in North American or North America, there was a totally descript of a Bigfoot, a full on description of a giant hominid ape um, that wandered the woods, whatever. And then in the Tibetan mountains, there was a completely different description of another ape-like creature that was the same strength same all this stuff but just did different things i'm like how did these two places that have never communicated ever in their entire lives come up with the same exact description of something if it, if it was just out of their imagination that's there's no way well i mean to explanation the first explanation is that it's real uh and you know what it might be and how it lives and how it lives in a population and in a, in a shrinking pop uh, area as well you know, that's up for debate. You can discuss it. And the other part of it is, you know, different cultures in different parts of the world are scared of the same shit, right? So they misidentify or they create these boogeymen, which are similar because, you know, they, that they're essentially scared of the same things. And they're trying to explain similar natural phenomenon. And you add to that, like once you have, you know, when we say, okay, so a certain culture had a Bigfoot sighting or talks about Bigfoot. What we do is oftentimes ignore the 87 other things that I talked about, but we latch on to the Bigfoot one because we know that one, right? So it, it goes from culture to culture. But what you're doing is essentially saying of, the, of the, all of the monsters that they talked about, we're going to focus on this because we've seen this one before. So kind of both things are going on. If you ask me, I think they're completely real, though. I mean, I look at it like the stories of the Yeti, for instance, um, there was people that would talk about like they would have to lock their kids inside their house at night because um, the Yetis would break in and try and steal their firstborn daughter and carry them off into the mountains. Uh, Sherpas, such as guys walking through trails, taking people up and down the mountain, um, 
were telling accounts of stories of giant getting hit with giant snow boulders. It made the Yeti in my mind look like some massive, like you ever seen the movie, the mummy with Brendan Frazier, when they went to go up in the mountains, there was those giant things. That's what I think of when I see the Yeti. And then when I look at like, um, Bigfoot, I picture like a badass Smokey the Bear, but like more like Bigfoot would whoop Smokey the Bear's ass just because completely. Yeah, the Smokey the Bear's like just I don't know. He just I looked at him. I was like, you just did. Uh, you we can't put pants on a bear. What's wrong with you? <laughs> well, you know, you also have to look at it and see that the the ones that were especially vicious, like you're talking about, there was a reason for them to be especially vicious, right? Because it was like, and I know the way to get by them. So pay me and I'll be your tour guy. And you won't have to worry about those guys at all. No snowballs in your face at all. So it is a little bit self-serving. And of course, like I said before, it, it feeds into what people are scared of and what people are, um, what people are looking into the woods and seeing that they can't quite tell what it is. And so they fall back on shit. Well, even the cryptozoology, if you want to look at like cryptozoology, the study of whatever species and all these things that are left undiscovered, there's an estimated 9.6 million creatures left undiscovered. About six point, uh, I think the nine, is it 9.2 or 9.6? I think it's 9.6. But there's like 6.2 or something left undiscovered in the water. Then there's, I think, 2.4. four left undiscovered on land i'm like if there's that much is it really so far off to think that it's not going to be discovered anytime soon and people go there's no way that there's that many left over uh yeah there is did you know that we classify another species of mosquito just on the basis of what their texture on their wings is like or what they eat that it classifies a whole nother thing most of the things left to be discovered out there are probably some type of fish or maybe an insect that's there's thousands of species of of mosquitoes it's hard not to think that there's not millions left that we still haven't discovered today yeah i think the problem comes in with the the size of the bigfoot um and the the fact that i mean they're just so large and they're they're where their typical you know stomping grounds are are getting smaller and smaller now you know in america it's funny you're from Maryland. I'm thinking of the Blair Witch Project when they had that line of like, we have destroyed everything. There's not much that place. How can we be lost? You know, um, that, but there's this, you know, I, I think that the, the, the species that we're going to find, if species is, is, is a word, um, is going to be the smaller ones, you know? And so that's what kind of lends to the ideas that Bigfoots are transdimensional somehow, or that they're somehow connected to UFO phenomenon. Other than the fact that where places where Bigfoots are seen or where their sightings usually have some kind of other paranormal activity associated with it. I think at one point somebody saw something, but then immediately everyone starts coming out saying they saw something. I remember when I was studying up on Nessie and they were like, they've checked every ounce of the lake or whatever without basically draining it. Um, to see if Nessie was in there and they found nothing. There were accounts of people falsifying it, which makes sense. That's what, if you go anywhere uh, near where that lake actually is, every building around it, they capitalize on that tourism. I mean, it's the same thing with Roswell, New Mexico. Um, Roswell, New Mexico, they have a McDonald's in the shape of a UFO. If you ever see a tour around Roswell, New Mexico, it's all the same shit. It's all aliens. They have literally decorations up everywhere. Like aliens have landed here. Have they? Or at one point did we just fuck up in our our government projects and shit and something happened? You know, I was listening to a podcast this morning and it was because it was about the Bridgewater Triangle and it was a guy I had never heard of. So I was like, all right, I got to hear this. And um, he, he mentioned two uh experiences that he had with bigfoot one of which was 
easily a misidentification of a bear because the guy thought it was a bear in the first place. And when it got on two legs, it freaked him out and he ran. I'm like, well, that's, you know, kind of bear behavior. Yeah, bears and the second can stand one, up and shit. I watched a video of a bear standing <laughs> right. in someone's front lawn. I was like, is that a fucking bear? Or is that a giant person? And, you know, bears are a lot more. I think we, we've got this uh, um, idea that bears are, like, extinct and that, like, you know, they're endangered somehow. And maybe they are. But, you know, here in Florida, there are bear sightings all the time. They're almost as common as alligators. Bro, if you, you really want to be – if you, look, if you want to be humbled by anything in the world, look up the page Nature is Metal on Instagram. I watched mm-hmm. a fucking grizzly bear attack a gorilla. That was some shit. I immediately got humbled by that. And then I watched two silverback gorillas fight. There's no way I would kill any of those things. I immediately would am like a cockroach could kill me. No, exactly. You know, and then the, the second one that he talked about was here in Florida, uh, Skunk Ape. And he said he had just come from the Skunk Ape Museum that's down here near the Everglades. And he went out and he saw these large footprints. And I'm like, well, how close to the place was it? I mean, are we talking like it's, it's, it's totally in their interest to fake something or to have something there because people who just came and bought the skunk ape teddy bear and the skunk ape bumper stickers now go out in the area that in, the, in the park that it's called and they see these bigfoot prints and i don't so, even, you know it's totally I don't justifiable even, so i don't even trust prints dude that's like the one thing i look at is like immediately something you can create because i saw that episode of rocket power where the girl took her hand put it in the sand like you know if you like help put your uh hand in a fist and you take your four fingers like the if you're looking at your nails or something you place it into the sand and then put your uh palm down so it makes looks like a little tiny foot then you just take your first finger Finger and you make little dots above where your fingers are and it looks like a, a little small little foot or something i was like people can easily replicate a hoof or something and next thing you know you're going on a wild goose chase exactly and actually in the bridgewater triangle right before i left mass we had a big hoax that you know fooled everyone at, at first including lauren coleman you know so it, it, it's uh it's easy to do and, it, and if it benefits you and this person was looking for attention if it benefits you um you know, you, you always have to keep that in the back of your mind, which is which is why when I started doing Trip Around Legends, I was like, you know what? I'm tired of evidence because I wrote a book called Picture Yourself Capturing Ghosts on Film, right? And then everyone wanted to send me the pic- their pictures. And I'm like, I got to be honest with you. Without all the information, without the moment, without knowing who you are, I can't classify this as a ghost picture. I don't even know what classifying it as a ghost picture is. It's too easy to hoax. And because it is, it's just silly to continue that pursuit. Well, where do you stand on ghosts? Do you think that they're real? I always looked at them as maybe memories or like little echoes that were left here because, I mean, it's hard to think that you're just completely wiped off the face of the earth. Do I think there's a spiritual plane? That I don't know, but for the episode where I talked to a couple morticians, I always brought up the fact I never wanted to be cremated because I feel like if your body is your your token to the afterlife or whatever, imagine being a pile of ash in heaven. That would kind of (laughs) suck. (laughs) <laughs> I like to think that we don't because, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not that drawn to the body that I'm in right now. So I want a celestial thing going on with me for, uh, for, for the afterlife. Um, I, I no, want to be think, Ryan Gosling. <laughs> I'll go Ryan Reynolds and then we'll go with it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that, and, and here's where the difficult thing from an investigator point of view and even classifying it at all. I think there's an entire spectrum of what a ghost is. And I think some are memories. I think some are consciousness. Some are, elemental some are are, are something darker or something or even lighter um so it's really hard to say you know are ghosts real 100 percent. i've had so many experiences in my years all right you gotta tell me some experiences then i'll share some dude i got a couple in my uh, past there well i want to hear yours first then so 
Oh, okay. Uh, this is the reporter. See, this is the reporter in me and the writer in me wanting to know your experience. All right. I'll share one. You share one. How about that? All right. There we go. All right. When Two I was, years, I'll show you mine. So, okay. Well, if you want to pull out the rulers, no. But um, <laughs> so when I was a little kid, um, I, I brought this up a few times when we talk about psychic abilities and stuff. So a long time ago, I don't know if you ever heard of the show Ghost Whisperer. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the guy that wrote for Ghost Whisperer is actually a published psychic. Um, and when I was a very little kid, uh, I, I used to get deja vu all the time. Um, I do think there's a thing like psychic abilities, like people being more empathic, having another sense of things. Um, I talked to a woman that had psychic abilities, and I'm open-minded to everything. And she told me that she believes everyone has the ability, but more people are in tune to it. She believes that in time, the world will become a little bit more empathetic if we learn how to fix it. And sooner or later, people will unlock these abilities. Well, from what I've heard from my family on my mom's side, um, my mom always used to tell my dad that she could see ghosts and things like my grandma could. And I'm a little kid at the time I'm hearing this, like maybe seven, eight, four, or I think either I was seven or eight or I was 14, but there was a girl that went missing a little tiny girl that was my age. Um, and the cops had been looking for her body for four or five days. Well, my mom had a dream and then my mom ran to my dad. I remember sitting or yeah, I was sitting on the couch in the family room. My dad was sitting to the left of me. My mom ran out of the bedroom, which is like right next to where the big TV was, came out and said, I need to talk to you. My dad got up like, oh, my God, what is it now? And then he got up and she like was screaming at him, telling him, you need to call this in anonymously. This is where she is. This is where she is. This is where she is. <laughs> and I, I'm sitting there on the couch like, what the fuck is going on? And my dad called it into the cops. Next thing I know, they find the girl the next day in the morning, exactly where my mom said. And my dad believed her 100%. And my dad's not that type of guy to leave, believe in that type of stuff. But immediately, he changed his ways after that. He was immediately like, right, you, right. you were right. And I was, I was listening to her. I was like, how did you know? She goes, the girl in my, came to me in my dream and told me where um, she was buried. And she goes, you don't know this about um, my side of the family, but we have this instinct psychic type thing. And I was like, what does that mean? She goes, your grandma can see ghosts. And my grandma does. Um, now, as I got older, um, it, like before when I was a kid, I used to get really bad deja vu. Well, where the ghost story plays in the scenario is there's this old hotel um, in the town of Berlin, Maryland. You can look it up. It's called the Atlantic Hotel. It's built in like 1876 or something. Well, I remember my mom used to work there. So one day I stayed home sick from school, you know, hashtag sick, you know, not really. But um, <laughs> everything, all the furniture, everything was really old style. That was supposed to be the point of the hotel. So I went upstairs and I'll never forget. I was watching Scooby-Doo meets Earth, Wind and Fire. That uh, <laughs> whatever you call it, the, um, the vampire episode where they're on that mountain. Yeah. So I was sitting on the bed, laying in this old style, like Victorian type bed, watching this, uh, you know, watching them at the concert and that th those three hot ass chicks come on and start singing earth, wind, fire and air. And I'm like sitting there like, this is awesome. And uh, a woman comes by the room, a woman wearing a very old style clothing, like old, old hotel, like made clothing. And I figured that was the point of the hotel. That's their uniform. So I'm probably right. five or six at this time. And um, I, I looked at her and she goes, how are you doing? I said, 
I'm doing all right. I'm not really supposed to talk to anybody because my mom said, like, if I need anything, just call her. I, I don't want to bother anybody. And she goes, oh, it's okay, sweetie. She goes, what's what's wrong? And, and I started explaining to her, oh, I'm sick from school, you know, um, not feeling too well. She's got a headache and a stomach ache. And she's like, can I get you anything? And I said, no, if I need anything, I'll go downstairs and ask my mom. But thank you. And she goes, okay. Then she like dusts, kind of like dusts the corner of the door and then walks out. And, you know, you're sitting on the bed as a little kid waiting. The next thing you know, like you wait a minute, you hop off the bed, like do that, like jump off the bed. Then I ran around the corner to look into the doorway. She was gone. So I ran downstairs to my mom and I told my mom and my mom was just staring at me. And I was like, what? And she goes, Robbie, it's only me and Bob in the kitchen besides your aunt that are here. There's nobody else in this whole entire hotel. Nobody's on staff. It's winter time. There's literally barely anybody that works here. And I looked at her and I was like, okay. And I just went upstairs. And after that, she looked at me completely different. And where the ghost whisperer thing comes in, my uh, mom went to the, met the guy that wrote for the show Ghost Whisperer and wrote all these psychic ability books and brought up my name. But before she could say my name, she said, I have a son. His name is Ro-. And then the guy cut her off and said, is his name Robbie? And my mom said, yes. And she goes, and he goes, he's going to be a powerful psychic one day. So ever since that happened, when I was really little, my mom has looked at me in a completely different way, asking me, hold this photograph. Do you sense anything from it? And I used to be like, no, what the fuck are you talking about? And then I had a dream probably around maybe last year um, in November, uh, someone went missing and I had a really intense dream. And I ran downstairs and was like, wow, I just had this fucking crazy nightmare and I don't sleep. So that was new for me. And she was like, can you do me a favor? And I said, what? She goes, can you look at this and tell me if this is the face that you saw? And showed me a photo of a guy. And I said, yeah, that's the guy. And she goes, where did you see him? And I said, he was lying down in like a gutter type ditch near like a marshland type thing. Like um, maybe like if you, uh, like a little small little channel or something like, a, like a, one of those giant uh, drain ditches. And she goes, where exactly? And I described the place to her. Um, and then next thing I know, it was like two days later, they found the body in the exact area I described. And I, oh, that's, I, I, that's where I go. I think that's a fucking coincidence. I don't know about that. I don't know if I believe it, but she was so sure of it. She was like, this is something you have. And then that's my really kind of story in a way I'm open-minded to everything. So I always toss that out there when someone says like a psychic ability or a paranormal experience. Right. I mean, I think that everyone has psychic ability and I think the majority of us tune it out. Um, I know that for years, especially you want that integrity as an investigator, right? And so I left all that aside until probably about a year ago, a, uh, a psychic was, we were, we were at a conference and uh, my partner paid for a, uh, a, a reading. And I'm like, I don't want to do this, but I wanted to make her happy. So I did it. And the first thing she said was like, you are so closed off. She's like, how can you say you're out there looking for experiences and yet you won't turn your body on more and you won't turn your mind on more to this kind of thing. And since then, as my dog barks viciously across the house, um, I've experienced more in the places that we've gone just because I've been more open to it. Um, which is really horrible if you're an investigator and you're trying to produce evidence, but if you're trying to experience something and say something might be in a place, you know, it's a lot more open. So I'll tell you one now, but you got to tell me whether you want me to go for a hotel one or you want me to go for a actually physically seeing a, a, a full person one. How many experiences I'll go either route. I mean, dozens. I mean, I've been doing this for so long. Oh, now I got to hear both. I got to hear both. I'll sit and enjoy the story. I don't give a shit. I want to know about your ghost stories. Now I'm curious. Well, the first, I would say, you know, having seen 
like a full on person that I interact with has, has been a rarity. It's happened maybe four times. Um, one time was when I was moving. Uh, this is my second tour of duty here in Florida. The first one was in 99. And I was coming down to move to who would eventually become my wife, who would eventually become my ex-wife. Uh, she was at the University of Central Florida. So I was moving down to Orlando. I had all my crap in a moving truck outside on the streets of Boston. And I'm there uh, sleeping on the couch because my bed is, is packed up. Uh, my last night in Boston, my best friend, uh, who's, who had been my roommate so many times, it's ridiculous, is, is sleeping. You know, uh, the other roommate's in there sleeping, and I'm sleeping on the couch. And at about 2 o'clock in the morning, I get woken up to a kiss on my face. So, you know, we can all talk about uh, uh, night terrors and, and things that happen to you when you just wake up. But this, is, this lasted probably about two minutes, this experience. So I get this kiss on my face or this pressure on my face, and I look up. And there's someone kissing my face. And she moves her head out a little bit. And I'm thinking, this is really weird. This is my roommate. This is my best friend. But her and I, we don't even hug. <laughs> so it was weird. But, you know, it's my last night, so it made sense to me. And I'm like, I'm like Jenna, it's going to be okay. We're still going to you know, be with each other. And almost immediately, the face is now across the room. Uh, almost a, like, almost like, a, like a whoosh. And there's this girl standing there. She's got short blonde hair. My, my roommate has long brown hair. Uh, and I'm watching her and I'm looking at her and she's just kind of smiling with this half smile, this kind of, all right, see you around kind of thing. And then she blows me another kiss and turns to walk out, the, walk into the bedroom where my two roommates are and disappears. Um, and we had had a whole bunch of different experiences in that house. Uh, I used to, I, I mean, I have endless pictures of the cat going crazy, trying to capture something that might've been going on uh, in that location. You know, it's Boston. It's, 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 there are so many ridiculous uh, murders and histories and accidents. And, and she was wearing somewhat modern clothes, but it was kind of generic. She had like a little like jeans uh, skirt on with a little tank top kind of thing. You know, it was something that could have been from different decades. And I just stood there for a while. And I could, you know, I could hear my roommate snoring <laughs> in the other room. I could hear one, you know, one roommate grunted all the time. I could hear it. I mean, the, their door was open. It definitely wasn't them. They were both asleep. And yet here was this girl wishing me goodbye. And so, you know, that was kind of one of those experiences that happened very early on uh, as I was doing this. Even before I was officially an investigator and officially documenting these things and publishing them with people. Um, and it really kind of set this tone for, wow, there's like an emotional center to this, which a lot of people, they just want the spooky, they just want the creepy. But there was some kind of connection between that girl and I. And, and she was kind of hot. So I wish that I had her number now. Well, it's crazy because uh, my mom always uh, had a photo of, it was, I guess, whatever, um, I don't know how you would say it. If, uh, if you have your grandma, but then it's your grandma's brother, what would that be to you? Your great uncle? I guess so. There was a guy um, in our family that I never knew. He died when he was 12 years old because he got caught in a barn, a barn fire. And um, so my mom always has this photo and he goes, that's your uncle Lenny or is it uncle Lenny or uncle Larry. I've only heard her talk about him a very few times, but this kid used to be what I used to see as a kid all the time, like a, like imaginary friend. And um, my uh, mom would always say, like, no, that's your Uncle Lenny or Uncle whatever. And it was, it was the weirdest thing, dude, because I'm like, you hear stories about a lady in white, a lady in red, all these types of things. And you're like, 
those like a lady in white is someone that was died before her wedding day or died on her wedding day or something. And lady in red was supposed to be like a prostitute. All the ones you hear about hotels, like people would talk about seeing them. They're amazing to hear about. And they're like interesting to go into. But the fact is when we talk about psychic abilities and paranormal, the reason why they're so damn hard to believe is because of the amount of attention those things have been getting when it comes to people experiencing them, the fucking spoon benders on the boardwalk, the fucking fortune tellers that a lot of them are right, phonies, right. you know, they do the whole thing a disservice. And I also think that, you know, people, uh, when they are trying to tap into their psychic abilities, and I've got a great redhead hotel story to tell you after this. Um, they think it's it's got to be dramatic. They think it has to be like you talking to your Uncle Lenny or you talking to your Uncle Larry. But a lot of times it's just a matter of these signs being put in front of you, you know, or even a little whisper in your ear, not in like a crazy schizophrenic kind of way, but just in a, a voice or a gut feeling or something that's telling you to do something or not to do something, turn left instead of turning right. And we ignore them because we think they're just kind of white noise out there in the universe, our random thoughts. Um, but my belief very strongly is that, that those, are, those are people connecting to us on a psychic level. And it doesn't have to be that you see something. It doesn't have to be that you hear something. A lot of times it's like shutting the hell up and listening to what your mind is telling you. And it's not just you in your mind. Like there's, you know, if, you, if, if spirit communication is... is is uh, available to us, right? If it's out there, it would probably exist easiest on those levels that we take it, you know, we, we kind of take advantage of or, or, or overlook like our hearing, you know, or are slightly seeing something, but especially our hearing and our guts. Those are two of the, you know, big psychic uh, hot spots on our body that we ignore a lot of times. And so just hearing your name from down the hallway, that happens to people all the time. They hear their name and they don't know there's no one there that should have said it. Or, um, I get a lot of this in places where other paranormal activity happens, which is coughing. Uh, you know, they hear coughing from someplace and they go and there's nobody there or the baby's asleep or it was a, clearly a grown man. And yet the only people in the house are kids. Uh, and so that I think that, you know, times, we need to. Um, at my work, I have a walkie that's in my ear, basically. So like I'll get um after working there for a few years, eventually I'd be sitting in my house without any walkie or anything in my ear or anything. I'd just sit and watch the TV and I would hear my name on the radio. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what what the hell was that? Yeah. It was it's a thing that happens with like a syndrome, but like um oh, and, and of course that's electronics. Electronics are the most easily manipulated things. If once again you believe in the folklore and you believe in kind of the ideas of the paranormal being able to manipulate something electronic, especially just to transmit a little blast like that, like of a name, is totally within the realm of possibility. Well, even talking about like they're the people that believe in it and they're the people that refuse to believe in it. I, I'm not saying I don't believe in it, but I, I, I choose not to think that it's me that is the, has a capability of doing this. I believe that that's meant for someone that's a lot better than me, I would say. Um, Mostly, it seems like a lot more people that really kind of hone in on it, learn how to train an ability like that, and then be able to focus it more and really truly appreciate it. Me, I'm like, I don't really give two shits about it. It's cool to think that you could be some type of X-Men mutant, but honestly, it's just, <laughs> it's a load of crap. But I had this one thing that happened to me, I think about three or four years ago. Um, the woman's still dealing with it today, but I remember driving, you ever seen the show That's So Raven? Uh, I would never admit to that on air, but let's say hypothetically, maybe I have. Okay, I used to watch that show. I'll admit to it. She was kind of hot. I'm not going to lie. Um, 
when it comes to the, the type of uh, seeing the future like that, I used to get stuff like that, but not as powerful as she did. I would get it like weeks before or months before. But I remember I was driving in Salisbury with my mom. I was sitting in the passenger side. She was driving. We went under a light. And as the light turned red, just as we're about to go under it, you know, my mom slammed on the brakes. So we're halfway in and halfway out. So the light's right above us now. And I just like, I remember sticking my head out the window and looking up and then immediately just like getting a giant cold shiver up my spine. And I looked at my mom and I said, Miss Kim is going to get into a car accident. And my mom looked at me like, what the fuck did you just say? And I like looked at her. I was like, I just pictured a truck hitting Miss Kim. And she goes, okay. And I'm like, I, I don't know. That's all. That's all I can say. And then like, that's all I could see it was just a quick glimpse, like a little, like a dream or something, but it was a quick 10 second thing. Bam done that's how i always got it and um not even i think a month or two later she got ended up getting into a severe car accident that she's still dealing with today she has to go to physical therapy she had to train all her life and stuff and my mom told some people and ended up telling miss kim about that and she ended up did getting hit by another woman that was drunk driving a, a truck actually and was hit from behind and kind of like t-boned in a way where it did cause her some severe neck injury and stuff but she survived now I did get that, but there was, she didn't do anything to avoid it. She didn't do anything to make it not happen. That's why whenever right. I, I'll still get those today, maybe not as powerful, but it'll be something like, Oh, this is going to happen. I'm going to get a flat tire. So all I'll do is, you know, you can get that mixed up with future worrying as well, but I'll just change my, whatever I'm doing for the day. If I was going to sit down and have a bowl of lucky charms, right. fuck it. I'm going to eat raisin bran in the shower and see what happens. Right. And I think that uh, a lot of times we uh, we don't really even know that we're listening and we're listening and we pick it up on a subconscious level. We pick it up on a, on a semi-conscious level and we change something slightly, you know, or we um, have that in the back of our mind when something else happens. And so we make that connection quicker or we react to things differently based on this. It's kind of like, you know, when your parents tell you over and over and over again to do something or to not do something, you don't consciously think, all right, well, I am going to make the good decision right now because my dad always said that it's just boom. It's, it's like a, it's like inbred in you uh, or ingrained in you is probably a better word. Um, and I think that happens sometimes when we are open to our psychic uh, a little tingles that we get. All right. Now I got, I got to hear about your, uh, your, your, your hotel one. You're killing me. I all used right. to work at a hotel. So this is like all my mind now. So we, um, this was uh, two summers ago, three summers ago now, actually. Um, and we were planning to go out of state, right? So we were, our ultimate goal was to go to Mountain State Park in Indiana to, to touch base with this other Puckwudgie paranormal hotspot of, of the galaxy, right? Uh, and so what we decided to do was to cut through North Carolina. We spent a few days in North Carolina looking into different ghostly legends there. It was a really great trip. Um, but one of the nights we stayed in Greensboro, North Carolina, in a place called the Biltmore. Now, the Biltmore is one of those names that uh, it's all over the place, right? There are tons of places called Biltmore, and all of them seem to be haunted. So it's one of those little name game kind of things. Um, but the story that is kind of most connected with the Biltmore in North Carolina is that of a redheaded hooker. And that she was... She's uh, known uh, as she a massage was, therapist. Oh, no, it was clear she was a hooker. <laughs> <laughs> there was no euphemism involved whatsoever, right? Um, I think Madam was about as, as, uh, as covered up as it got. And uh, this place was known to kind of how, you know, gangsters would go there and, and, and kind of some of the seedy people around that area would find their way there. And, and she was 
you know, a top build uh, uh, madam, if you will. And one of her uh, clients uh, got pissed off and jealous her at one point and strangled her and then threw her off the second floor balcony. Fuck. So we were on the road and, and her name was Lydia, which is funny because she was not the only redheaded Lydia that we came across. And we almost spontaneously stayed at this hotel because we're like, oh, my word, there's a haunted hotel. Let's see if they have the room. And they had the room open. So we're like, we're staying there tonight. So we kind of beard off. As we were looking for one redheaded Lydia, we found this other one. And so we stayed in what's known as the pink room. That's her room. And everything is painted pink because she loved the color pink. Um, we went out looking for uh, several different ghostly legends. And we came back and we got, you know, got into bed. Uh, at the time, we were a couple as well. And so uh, there was this, a ton of noise outside. And, and we kept going to the windows to like yell at someone to shut the hell up and there would be no one there. But there was all this noise from all around us, especially like right outside the window, which was an alleyway, but there was nothing there. Um, we woke up the next morning and in addition to my, my co-host at the time, uh, also my girlfriend at the time, uh, her shirt was completely up as if she had just been felt up, right? So she had kind of been explored slightly. And I swear it wasn't me, I swear, okay? So that's, you know, as my is, as my is rape, as my freshmen say, is rape still a thing if it's a ghost rape? Uh, sure, sure. I mean, I have a hard time prosecuting that, but you know, you can still cry it if you want. That's why when I, I saw you... the, there's a show called The Whitest Kids You Know, and they had an app yeah. uh, called uh, Ghost Testicles. And what it was is this kid was sitting in this haunted house, and there was they had this app on their phone that could show you ghosts. And they were scanning around the room, and they scanned over to the kid that's sitting on the couch. And he's like, "Dude, don't move!" But there's a bunch of ghosts teabagging you right now. And he's like, "Well, get them to fucking stop! I can feel their nuts on my head." And he's like swishing that's around funny. like like he's swatting a fly. That's funny. I I I feel him connected to the other side. No, man, that's their balls in your face. Dude. Like his balls are you. right. He's so, double teabagging you now. He's got it in your ear. <laughs> You're being teabagged on several different planes. So, <laughs> so we, um, you know, we, we were kind of, you know, it, it kind of didn't occur to her until afterwards that her shirt had been pushed up. Um, because the first thing we noticed was that the room was pretty much trashed. Uh, the garbage pail had been like overturned. The water was spilt all over the counter. Like several other things were thrown on the room. Our bags looked like they had been gone through. And so immediately, you know, we had two thoughts. One, someone broke in. Or two... If I had a haunted hotel, I would totally break into the apartments that night and fuck with them, right? Like, that would make sense to me. And so we, you know, we kind of, you know, this was supposedly what she did. She went through uh, uh, Natalie's handbag and everything like that. Um, and we had, we were going to another big one that day called the Devil's Tramping Ground. And so we're like, all right, we got to get ready for this. Like, let's get, you know, this is our one night here. We had already interviewed them about what all the stuff that had happened there. We were basically getting ready for the day. So I'm in the shower. I brush my teeth. I get out, you know, I got out of the shower. I'm brushing my teeth. She's in the shower. And clearly someone walks right by me and grabs my ass, right? No teabagging, but I clearly feel someone like grabbing both cheeks of my ass and lifting up. And so I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. All right. That's where we are right now. And I turn around and Natalie is still in the shower. Um, and yet almost immediately she goes, whoa, whoa, what's going on? And she said, the water got ice cold. I'm like, okay, well, it's an old hotel. Once again, if I was running a haunted hotel, I would fuck with people by playing with the water. And then she said, you know, I said, okay, now make it hot again. And almost immediately the water got hot. 
And I said, now make it cold. Boom. And so it was literally responding to my saying, get hot and get cold. Um, and then finally I said, all right, get cold, get cold. And we had from experience, we keep tapes running the entire time. And so we have the audio tape. Uh, I can send it to you if you want. I'm doing that. And I said, get cold. And you hear a voice clear as day go. It's only water. It's only oh, water. Dude, my buddy, um, he took a video. Uh, he th- does a lot of this like paranormal research stuff too. Um, shout out to Michael Simons. Um, he does uh, Anything Goes Project After Dark, a little spinoff podcast of his original one. But um, when the after dark means like cryptids and stuff, but he plays a video of him recording like stuff they do in the X-Files where they go to a haunted place or something. And he slowed it down and all he hears is a girl sit there and go, get out but like it's i was like dude what he goes dude there was only two people in this room and it was me and another guy and the guy was in front of me and trust me neither of us can hit a pitch like this and he slowed (laughs) it down and everything and i heard it i was like that's some freaky shit but it's like you're in such disbelief because everything that you've been shown that's paranormal or anything that's been shown has been a monsters in a movie you don't expect it to be on your real life but i i always bring it to the question if there's literally an invisible signal from your phone that is piercing up all the way up into a satellite and coming back down or radios are on a different frequency. What's to say that there's not a different frequency to through a different spiritual plane that maybe you can connect through your dreams. I'm an insomniac, so I don't sleep a whole lot. I sleep maybe one to two hours every three or four days. So I spend a lot of my days awake. That's also why I do podcasting because I like to be, uh, I guess what you say, uh, I'd like to get shit done. Um, right, right. But even like doing, like not sleeping, my buddy, Chris, who I work with, he sleeps with his eyes open. So yeah, he didn't tell me about that either. I had to find out after talking to him for three hours. And then he goes, what? I'm like, what the fuck was that? Because I was sleeping. <laughs> but um, worked to, so I decided to research a lot about sleep. And I came up with my own little theory about exactly what dreams are. So it's just an idea. It's nothing I believe. But it would be a pretty cool if it was. Um, there's a thing called a hypnic jerk. Have you ever heard of that? Is that when you, uh, something happens in a dream and you physically react to it? Yeah. Like, like you especially wake- at the beginning stages of sleep. Yeah. Like when you fall asleep and then you, you wake up and you feel like you were just falling. So there's also a thing called rapid eye movement when your eyes shut and they constantly move around under your, uh, uh, your eye, I guess eyelids. Um, so I say that your brain is searching for a doorway, much like a parallel universe to enter to, and that is your dream. Your eyes are searching for that when you shut them and you're in rapid eye movement, whatever, REM sleep. Your, your eyes are searching for that portal. Then once it finds it, you go into it. That hypnic jerk, that wake up, is because you were slipping out of this world and entering that one. That is the thing. Like if you get too far into it, your body immediately, like your heart stop, starts to stop. It turns into like the movie Avatar when they clip that thing into the back of their head or whatever and they transport into whatever. That's what it is. You know, it turns into that. That was just my idea of what that was. And looking so instinctively into the human mind, you start to uncover that there's a lot of shit that our brain we don't know about. There's a lot of shit we don't understand. There's a lot of shit left to figure out about it. Who's to say there isn't this inherent ability to be able to see things? If people can see colors, maybe we can see ghosts. Well, you know, and, and you and you, you pick up your brain picks up more than you ever realize. You know, and there's the classic uh, experiment that I've done in class like numerous times, which is where you do one movement. You know, it's the basketball gorilla, where you ask the people to count how many times the kids are bouncing the basketball, and then you say, okay. 
And what did the, how many fingers did the gorilla hold up? And you're like, what are you talking about? And then when you show the video again and you tell them to not focus on the people bouncing the basketball, a huge person in a gorilla costume goes by and holds up a certain amount of fingers and walks by. Their mind picked that up. It was there, but their, their conscious mind didn't because they were focused on one thing. You know, so I think in addition to all the things we don't understand about the brain, we don't understand what it perceives on any given moment because we are focused on different spectrums or different ideas and different thoughts. And our mind still picks that information up. We just don't process it the way that we process other information. What, if you had to say, would be the one cryptid you want to meet the most? And what would you say would be the one that you don't want to meet the most? Um, I... I I'm not sure if there's one I wouldn't want to meet um, or at least encounter. Now, if I'm safe, you know, in this situation, uh, then, then there you go. Like <laughs> my ki- if my kids talking right now, uh, they want to, they want to meet Mothman. So we were, we were, we're going on uh, starting spring break just started for me a few hours ago. We're, we were going to go to all these different places. We were going to go to North Carolina to, to visit the, you know, the, um, the mystery of Roanoke uh, and, and Creatoan. We were going to potentially go see Mothman. You know, that's a, that's a pretty far journey for us. We decided to stay in state, especially with everything that's going on. But they are obsessed with Mothman. Uh, for me, I've had a few Pukwudgie encounters with the other elements of the Pukwudgie. So the, the, the Pukwudgie can transform into things, but it also controls uh, the souls of spirits that it's uh, uh, claimed. And by claimed, I mean led to their death directly. Uh, called the Tai Pai Wunkas. And I've seen those lights and I've seen some of the other elements that are in a Puck Wudgie encounter. I would love to see one just up close. I would love for one to, uh, to make itself known to me and be like, dude, you are such an asshole. No one talked about us for hundreds of years and now you kind of freaking stirred the pot. Uh, and now we can't go anywhere without people looking for Puck Wudgies. So, you know, that's probably the number one one I would want to see. But in terms of what I wouldn't want to see, I'm open to just about everything. I wouldn't want to see the New Jersey Devil because I remember being a little kid and watching the X-Files when they first showed it. And yeah, yeah. there was a movie that came out not too long after that. I think it was like some Nightcrawler or some type of movie where there was a bunch of kids on a bus in the middle of like a like a back road headed to like the, the – I guess they're coming back from a baseball game or some type of field trip or something. And it's like pitch black night. The bus breaks down, and then slowly one by one this creature starts picking off all the kids on the bus. The dude landed on the window. There's like a nerdy kid. Like, what, what, what was that? What was that thing? And the, this dude, I mean, it looks like Freddy Cougar, but his skin is like all black and burned. And he just yeah. moves, and he starts pointing at the kids he wants off the bus that he's going to kill like a sacrifice. I don't know what movie that was, but I immediately. Like, yeah, just, I think you're talking about, I think you're talking about Jeepers Creepers 2. Dude, um, immediately even saying that, like my skin starts to boil and gets bumps all over it. It was that fucking but, scary to me. So you'll, you'll like this on this trip that we're taking because Jeepers Creepers 1 was filmed in Florida. We are actually going on the road, uh, which was the opening scene where they actually see Jeepers Creepers for the first time and they see the murder and everything. We're actually going on that road to see if we can look into a case of black eyed kids that are on that little stretch of road in Florida. So it all, we, I have a huge saying. It's my life saying. It's tripping on legends like mantra, which is hashtag follow the science. So now I know I definitely have to hit that stretch of road on our trip. Bring pizza combos. <laughs> That's all I'm saying is if you're going to die, you want to die with a bag of pizza combos. 
we're jerky people here, so you know. All right, you know, I was gonna say <laughs> jerky beef jerky before, it. but for, for me, I'm like, I, you know what? I want that pretzel. I just want that pretzel with the pizza inside of it. I'm like, let me finish this bag, bro, and then you can devour my flesh. It's all good. Yeah, I'll, I'll go corn nuts instead, but I'm but I'm with you on on that last moment of of enjoyment. I thought you were gonna toss out candy corn. I'm like, do you want to die from the candy corn or the cryptid? I don't care. <laughs> But even like uh, we talk about like the one I want to see the most, man, I'd love to see Bigfoot, dude, because the way I picture Bigfoot's probably a lot different than most. I picture him to be right. the protector of the forest coming out in some yogi like giant robes with a giant wooden staff that's like a mini tree. And he just comes out with like a like a ponytail beard, freaking long hair or whatever, and comes and goes, welcome to my forest. I'm like, yo you're fucking bigfoot he's like i know do you want my autograph and i'm like fuck yes so you're talking much more like a giant version of an ewok is, is how you're picturing uh not as fat bigfoot's ripped bro all right oh, hey, i'm not judging him bigfoot benches 600 pounds man. <laughs> oh easily well in the bridgewater triangle he picked up a, a the back of a, of a um a squad car so i mean those are what two tons a ton so, I mean, if he's able to pick that up with ease, he definitely could do more than 600. I feel like they should make a reality TV show called Lifting with Bigfoot. Um, okay. It's like I, I want to Simmons. see him do more than lift, though. But, you know, like <laughs> It's like Richard Simmons mixed with just Bigfoot, and he's just doing, all right, guys, we're going to do Kegel exercises. And then, like, everybody's doing Kegels against the wall. you got to get those glutes in shape. Here's an acorn to wipe your ass. It's like, all right, all right. Well, see, I'd like to get other cryptids involved so we can have, like, giant serpents doing the squeeze. We can have, you know, pterodactyls doing the, doing the, the, the bird, like old um, Morris Day. I, I think there's a lot of potential for that. I really like um, the idea when it comes into folklore and mythology a little bit. I remember I'm studying cryptids, and one I came across was called the Cluricon. I don't know if you've ever heard of that one. Um, it's an Irish folklore. So what it is, it's basically the leprechaun's, like, evil cousin. And it's supposed to affect bars or inns if you were an innkeeper um, back in the day, like around Skyrim, Oblivion kind of setting a little bit. Um, what he would do is he would go into your basement, your wine cellar, and he would drink all your booze. But if you left him offerings and allowed him to have like a clean space to live, you took care of him, picked up after him, let him drink as much as he want, he would give you happiness. He would fill up all your drinks right, with right. Most perfect taste and all these types of things, but then if you pissed him off, he would make all your liquor turn into water. He would, um, you know, disguise himself and slowly destroy your inn. So a lot of innkeepers would pray to him. Yeah, and I think that that's something that's really common in European folklore and even Native American. I would say is is the idea of an offering, like give a little bit and you'll get a lot. And of course, you said leprechauns evil cousin, but leprechauns are pretty evil. And I'm not just talking about the movie; like just in general. You know, we have kind of Disneyified and 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 made the leprechaun to, to this clever little cute thing. Um, but if you read the actual folklore of Ireland, leprechauns are pretty nasty. Um, but that whole idea of leaving something out, uh, you know, you can talk about in, in a folklore aspect, it was the same as praying that things would go well. You know, it's the same as blaming the bad shit that happens to you on some imaginary creature that does something unless you appease it in some way right i mean it's just an offshoot of pretty much you know every religion that has like a, a big deity that you have to please in some way um but it is really common and it's interesting that as americans in an american culture 
we don't have that. Maybe it's that like, just give me everything attitude that's so American, but we don't have that attitude in our folklore of like, give an offering and then you don't have to worry about it. Uh, ours is more of like, no, it's feared, kill it. How do I get rid of it? Um, and, and so that's a really big difference that I've found in covering folklore from different cultures than kind of comparing it to what we do with it modernly. Now, when you picture a cryptid, what does your typical cryptid come to your mind when I, when I ask you to picture it? I mean, I think when, when you hear, when I hear cryptid and when most people do, I think Bigfoot is the first thing that comes to mind. I mean, he's the rock star of it. Uh, and then the more you know, the more kind of like different doors get opened. But, you know, if we're talking about ones that I wouldn't want to see, just because I have a, a natural fear of something bad happening to me on the water, it would be something like the sea serpents of old, you know, like that, that kind of freaks me out. I don't think a lot of people think of cryptids in the air or in the water. They really think of those land ones, you know? I always think of like, like a chupacabra or something like that when it comes to a cryptid, something that's like fucking like scary, like weird claws, really small, anything that's really small and it's a cryptid. I don't like, because I don't like the maneuverability those things can have. Like if I was going right. to create my own cryptid, yeah, if I can create my own cryptid, I would immediately picture like a gingerbread man with like a knife. And like, I don't know, like uh, he has the ability to have like just ooze out acid or something like some type of fucking monster from like the pits of hell or something like he comes at you with the candy cane or some shit that would just be the worst cryptid in my mind i'll take bigfoot i'll take nessie any day but when it comes to that thing fuck that yeah and i think the word cryptid itself has a kinder gentler feel to it than like monster you know so what you're talking about much more sounds like a like a a monster of nightmares gone by you know as opposed to a cryptid i think the connotation of it is a something that potentially is not far off from something that we come in contact with. Um, and then it, you know, it's mysterious, but not necessarily vicious. Whereas like monster and other terms like that are where we get like the, the more gingerbread spouting uh, uh, knife wielding one you're referring to. Now, when even talking about like on your podcast with like the cryptids or anything really paranormal or whatever, you know, tripping on legends in general, what that was, that was a name drop, you know, hope you like that. I know, I like that. I was like, <laughs> wow, he remembered the name of it. But good job. But um, even when we're starting to talk about these, like what is the things you find most interesting that you use towards your podcast? Do you like explaining the whole specifics of one? I've done a spinoff of this podcast when I was doing this one, when it was first starting, I would only post maybe once every week or so. But I did a spinoff called Fill in the Blank. We talked about uh, a bunch of things. Like my buddy was interested in Victorian surgery. So I printed out a bunch of articles on Victorian surgery. Then like cryptids, my buddy was interested in those. And that's when I learned about the Pope licking monster and all these other creatures. I think what really like gets me off, like the ultimate legend trip episode, legend trip kind of path we go down is when uh, we have all this information and it has a deep backstory to it. And over the course of our research, we find something that's like, oh shit, like, well, we were doing this one called the bloody bucket, which is where you're supposed to dump uh, or, or fill up a bucket with water from this one place by the light of the full moon and it turns into blood. Um, and we were able, and this has been in numerous books by now and, you know, all over the internet. And we were able to find obscure web posting uh, from a few years before it hit Weird Florida, the book Weird Florida. And it clearly says, hi, I heard, you know, this place is called Bloody Bucket Road. I'm going to invent a story because it's Halloween and I want to, you know, practice my writing skills. So here's a story. 
It's completely made up. And it's the story that people have been telling for the last 15 years about it. Right. And so we know that it's not true. We know clearly through history and looking at things that this place is called Bunny Bucket Road because there was a really vicious bar where they would have buckets of blood mopped out at the end of the night because so many fights used to happen there. We actually got when we went there, we got stopped by the cops who told us a story about it. Like, oh, you know why this is called Bloody Bucket Road? Clearly nothing about this story is true, right? Like there are no reports from actual people. It's just people, you know, friend of a friend. And yet you go there and something weird happens. Unfortunately, nothing happened when we went to Bloody Bucket. But that whole idea of like, you know, ahead of time uh, that the story is not real and yet something weird happens. So for example, we went to Stetson University and they have this place called Hully Tower. And Hully Tower is supposed to be the scene of a, it's a classic. Actually, my, the new book I have coming out in a few months is called Florida's Haunted Love Stories. And this is in there. Um, but it's, uh, you know, a, a, a freshman at Stetson University fell in love with her English professor. And they fell madly in love. They used to meet behind Hully Tower and make out and do whatever else you can do behind Hully Tower. And uh they were caught eventually, and he was, he was fired, and she was thrown out of the school. And as she was leaving, as she was expelled from the school, she climbed to Hully Tower. She you know, professed that she loved this, this, this man and threw herself off the tower to her death, right? And every fall, you can hear her screaming her lover's name, and you can see her falling from Hully Tower, jumping from Hully Tower. And that moment plays itself out over and over again. Um, and in our research, we found out not only was there never anyone who committed suicide there, not only is the professor that's identified in the picture as being the, the, the one fooling around with her was actually the president of the college a few years later. So he definitely wasn't fired. But if you go to Hully Tower, Hully Tower is only maybe 30 feet high now because they've taken it down. So how are people still experiencing this legend of seeing someone jump from it? But the clincher is Holly Tower wasn't built at the time this woman was at the college, right? It wasn't built until like 30 years after the supposed suicide happened. And so you go there and you know that the story is fake. Um, you, there are other stories that develop around it, right? The it's great tulpas, thing about man. ghostly... That's, that's like uh, the show Supernatural I used to watch all the time. They talked about tulpas when they created that ghost that was living in that uh, burned-down house. Right, there was no person, it enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there was no person that died in there. Just a bunch of people were basically believing into it, creating stories about it. Actually, at one point in our history, um, our, the government actually had a project where they created a ghost. Five of them created a ghost, and they believed the story 100%. Um, they wrote it down, and they tried to use a Ouija board to communicate with it and they started believing that they were uh this thing was real and it's just yeah. um, it's like a placebo effect but it's called a tulpa well except for the fact that a placebo effect is the observers creating it whereas tulpas actually you do manifest something and it makes sense in this case because you know there are the people who who it's named after the tower is named after are both buried in the base of it um their ghost is supposedly also seen there but it's also the center of the the college in a lot of ways it said if you go to holly tower and you you rub the stones before a big test you'll do well on it you know what i'm saying or that if you kiss someone in the shadow of holly tower that's the person you're going to marry and yet we went there knowing that these stories had an explanation knowing that they had a purpose behind them and yet when we went there in the early morning one night or one morning i should say um we had one of the most profound experiences we ever had because as we're sitting there waiting for either this suicide victim or the happily dead couple to come upon us, like we're watching and time just kind of stopped. And we started seeing these glittering shadows walking across the campus, you know, like, and it was clear they weren't, they weren't, 
people were talking about, but there definitely was something going on. And we were just literally watching him, trying to get pictures. We couldn't get any pictures, but we were pretty much dumbfounded. It was as if we were watching day one on the campus and people just in excitement, like going forward and, and going, going throughout the campus. And this is at the kind of center of it, the front center of it. Um, and what happened at the end of that, as we're watching it, it's kind of hints back to something that you were talking about before calls back to it was that idea of then both of us at the same exact moment felt, and then it's over, it's over. Like whatever we had just experienced, we're not going to experience anything else. We can go home. You know, it was that psychic, like, (sighs) okay, you had your experience. And that has happened so many different times to us in the field. We have a moment and we capture that moment. We experience that moment. And then like a light turns on, we understand that it's over that we've gotten what we came there to go. We were there at the right moment that the, the tumblers and the lock fell. And now we can go on our way and kind of report what happened to us. More people just need to be open to stuff like this. I feel like if you just come at things with an open minded, it just changes your perspective a whole lot more. My buddy, uh, you know, he was telling me that he believes that we're all come from Mars. I'm sitting there like, what the fuck does that mean? Did we come on a space shuttle or anything? But I was open-minded. So I heard his opinion and he talked about how, like the, you know how the moon gets hit with so much different asteroids and all those particles get from the moon landed in outer space. What happens if, you know, there was an asteroid that hit Mars and a little bit of the particles floated off, landed to earth. And then we evolved from those particles. That makes a hundred percent sense. Now, do I think it could be that? I don't know. But like I said, it keep that open-minded perspective in there, especially if you're coming on the ghost. Is there a purgatory? Is there vampires? Is there this? Is it Michael Jackson's thriller music video? I have no clue. But at the same time, let's never toss any of those things out because there could be something behind something that we don't know the full grasp of yet. And our experience will always be molded by what we want to see or what we believe is there. You know, in the Bridgewater Triangle, there's this area known as the Asanet Ledge, and it leads into this uh, um, um, uh, water pit, which is, I'm totally blanking on what a water pit is called at this point. Um, but it is the site of numerous, according to police, that are on record with this. Numerous bodies are down there. We can't get to them. The forest itself is a dumping ground for all kinds of really creepy activity in the cities that surround Freetown. Um, but people who are at the, Asanet, at the Asanet Ledge have had similar experiences of things like ghost lights or things like seeing things that they couldn't explain. And it always seems to be when they approach me with the story, um, it's framed by whatever they believe or whatever they've been told, or whatever they've researched up to that point. And so the same ghost lights are ghost lights from some person and UFOs from another, um, or they're the, or they're the, um, the, you know, the souls of, of, of people who are trapped or there's some kind of illuminated cryptid, you know, or they're a spell that's being cast by the, by the, the dark forces that make their home in the forest, or it's, you know, some kind of weird vortex kind of thing that reflects light weirdly. So wherever people, whatever people experience or whatever people frame it as, whatever they, the, the filter that they already have tends to be how they communicate about the experience. If you widen those frames, if you put in more, Uh, different filters you can maybe start to see different levels of things to see that maybe that experience is all of those things or what that person needed at that time well to quote my favorite person in the world it's going to be legend wait for it and i hope you're not lactose intolerant because the second part of that is dairy now i'm not sure if you know this but that's how we end every episode well shit dude (laughs) <laughs> and I, in about two, it took me about two years in before i realized oh shit barney does that same thing like i was just doing it's called tripping on legends like may all your trips be 
legendary. And then I finally, after two years, went, wait a minute. Oh, that's what fucking Barney does. I, I've been stealing this shit for two years already. So ba, ba, it's too ba, late now ba, to change ba, it. Ba, 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 ba. So there you go. We're not, I'm not changing anything. Chris, that was awesome, man. I really appreciate you coming out and doing the podcast, dude. I, I haven't hey, had somebody Thank you very much on. for having me on. I haven't had somebody on that does paranormal stuff or uh, spooky stuff in a long time. And I was needing that fix, dude. I was like a junkie. <laughs> well, I'm glad I was able to be your dealer. Well, Chris, I really want to give you here a minute at the end to be able to promote your content, promote your podcast, promote any book you want to promote because people okay. need to go and see this stuff for themselves. Beautiful. Um, the easiest way to kind of experience what we're experiencing is to go to Facebook. We do have a website, uh, trippingonlegends.wordpress.com. But everything we do gets kind of put on Facebook. And that's facebook.com backslash tripping on legends. Um, like I said, my new book is coming out, I believe, in August. Uh, it was supposed to be out for Valentine's Day. And that's Florida's haunted love story. So it's all these ghostly adventures all throughout uh, the state that have love and, and some form of love as kind of the reason behind the haunting. And then, of course, the the... The show itself is called Tripping on Legends. You can get that on any platform where you get your podcast. And please review us if you do listen to it and like us. And if you don't like us, like sarcastically review us positively. Yeah, give them like that one star. Or no, give them that five star, but then say fuck you. That's always a good one. Right, right. Because people just look at the stars. They never actually read them. Yeah, exactly. Because reading's too much, right? Yeah, reading bad. As an English teacher, reading bad. I don't know math. 